0: Good morning, everyone. Are y'all uh, have y'all gotten to your like uh, turkey soups yet? All that kind of jazz. Are y'all still eating turkey? Man, I, like, have hands, like, I mean, it was a great Thanksgiving. We'll show hands. Show hands. We're like, how many was the worst holiday ever? Hallelujah! All right, so, well, let's dive in this morning. Before we do, just a reminder: we are um, having a Dreamers Gathering. Uh, on uh, this, actually this Thursday, 7 p.m. here at, in the community room here at Vintage. And we, um, if you don't know, we were uh, gifted, I say gifted, we were blessed, uh, with these 48 acres where we purchased eight gifted 40 other acres of land here on Cedar Crest Road. And with that, we feel this, this great sense of responsibility, right, with this gift that God's given us. And the idea is that man, we could go build something that we enjoy, right? But we all know that we've been blessed here to be a blessing to our neighbors, that we really want to be a blessing to the community around us. And so with that, we recognize, man, we just want to dream the dreams of God then. Like, what is he doing in this? What is he doing with this? And what is he calling us to? And so in this this gathering, we're going to just gather together and we're going to just kind of share the dreams, answer some questions together around tables, and really kind of let God begin to birth his dreams inside of us. Us, of what he is excited about doing, because at the end of, let's say, 10 years from now, I want everyone in our community to be so thankful that Vintage 242 exists and they have received something from us in the context of our time in that space. And so, yes, yeah, so we're excited about that. And we say, hey, we believe that part of the dreams of God are in you, right? Because we see in part, we know in part as scripture tells us. and So we just want you to come and share some of those pieces and let's see what God builds in the context of his dreams that we're sharing with one another. OK, so come this Thursday at seven o'clock in the community and make it happen. All right. Well, this morning is kind of like a sandwich morning in the sense that um, we are in between our our series that we did called The Plan. Right. Those first three chapters of Ephesians. And that we are starting Advent next Sunday, right? Kind of the Advent being the beginning of the holiday season, this idea of celebrating the birth of Jesus. And so in this sandwich Sunday, I was like, Lord, what are you doing? What I felt God began to speak was this word preparation, this idea that God's preparing us, this work of preparation that he's doing in us. And each of us, we understand how preparation works, because either we prepared for a wedding Right? Or we've been a part of the preparation. Of a wedding. And there's something about weddings that, man, we give more time and energy to preparation for a wedding than anything else in the world, right? It's about a 15-minute service with some, like, hangout and food afterwards. And we spend, like, a full year many times in preparation because everything we're thinking is, like, we've got to cover all our bases and make sure everything's covered right. And, and like, moms are over here and, like, the husband's like, yes, That's a great idea. Right. Yeah. Great. idea. I love that. Right. That's kind of the only phrase for an entire year. And so I look at these couples and say, it's awesome. Right. That you're preparing so completely for a day. But let's consider spending a little more time preparing for your marriage that comes afterwards, right? Because there's this whole energy put in. So we understand preparation. We get all of our, 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 our I's dotted, our T's crossed. We think in advance. We, we recognize what's coming ahead. We focus our attention, right? Even those who are not administrative, man, they get administrative and they know everything that needs to happen because that's the nature of preparation. And so when we look at Ephesians chapter four, verse one, it's the, it's the next verse, right? We looked at, we looked at the chapter three for a couple of weeks over here on this, this side over here, but in chapter four, verse one, Paul shifts, right? He shifts from this beautiful, powerful daily prayer that he would have been praying for the church in Asia minor. And he says this now as a prisoner for the Lord, then As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And so if I read that verse, like some of you weren't even paying attention. You're kind of, you're you're still waiting to get yourself settled into the message, right? But when you all of a sudden, we stop and we go back and say, all right, Paul's just prayed this prayer. And he says, all right, now... Again, let's just remind you, I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. And I urge you then to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And this would be one of those Bible verses where I press pause. Right? Not pause on the message, but pause long enough to actually ask the question, what is Paul urging them What is Paul urging them? And and I wonder if they stopped and asked the question, Hmm, am I living a life worthy of the calling that I have received? So we recognize as Paul preceding this verse, we remember, right? He's been praying. He's been praying a prayer for the disciples. He kind of finished the first three chapters and he sums up the entire first part of Ephesians saying, all right, none of this is possible in your own strength. So I'm going to pray a prayer for you. I'm going to pray a prayer for you. And, the, and the, this prayer is going to be three pronged. It has these three primary parts to it. And listen, all of this prayer is about preparation. It's preparation for verse one of chapter four. And so what does he pray? He says, all right, let's pray this prayer preparation before the doing. Because verse 1, if we're all honest, is about doing. I urge you then to live a life of doing, right? Live a life of doing that's worthy of the calling that you have received. And so before the doing can happen, we have to remember the prayer. He prayed three things. They're all Christians. And he says to them, all right. here's my prayer for you. Ready? I'm going to pray this prayer every day for you. In fact, you you should pray this prayer every day for yourself. First, I'm praying for a confidence of the indwelling Christ living inside of you. Why? Because if you know Christ dwells with you, then when you go into any dark alley, you recognize he's always there to have your back and to fight for you. If he indwells you, then he'll never leave you. If he never leaves you, he will be with you. And if he's with you, he will always fight for you. So I want you to live in the confidence and the understanding that Christ always He can't not dwell with you. He always dwells with you, and that should change everything. It's a game changer. So I'm praying that for you every day. You need it every day. Every day you need to be awakened again to the reality of the confidence that Christ dwells in you. He's fighting for you. He is a good, good father. Second thing I'm praying for you, I'm praying that you would know the height, the width, and the depth, and the breadth of God's overwhelming love for you because you can't make it in your day unless you are awakened to the reality and the power of God's love. And again, he can't not love you. So in the middle of anything going on, whether it's holiness or sin, God still loves you. He's for you. And when praying that every day you'd be awakened, because I don't know about you, but when I was like what I would call like painfully single back in the days and didn't think anybody loved me and I was unlovable. Right. And then I went to that moment of meeting Randall and she thought I hung the moon. I don't know why. And she loved me. I, I, I changed, right? Like your demeanor changes. When you go from not feeling lovable to automatically like powerfully being loved, what does it do? It lifts you up and you feel awesome. And so Paul's praying this. I want you to know this love and walk in the confidence of it. And in fact, And so he's saying, because if you don't, it's the idea is if you don't, you can't really do anything for God. Like you you can't really love anybody unless you live in the confidence and the power and the reality of his dynamic love for you. It changes a game changer. It is a game changer. I don't walk in condemnation anymore. I don't walk as someone who's rejected. I don't walk defeated. Why? Because how could I? I'm so loved. By God, he's praying that we would know it every day. Preparation, right? The third thing he prays for us. And I pray that you would be filled to the fullness of God. Like, let me just say this. He's talking about, ev- listen, you don't get this theology very often in other places. But it's, the, it's the, this conviction of Paul from Ephesians 5, which says, don't get drunk with wine. But instead, be continually every day being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled to the fullness of God every day. So He says, I want you to live in the expectation and in the anticipation that every day in the midst of your hell, in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of your tension, that God's Spirit is going to fill you again today to empower you to live the life and the calling that he has for you. Therefore, now that you've been prepared, I urge you, live a life worthy in the doing of the calling that you have received. You've been prepared, now live the life. Right? So there's this work of preparation and intentionality. But then we shift to next week. Well, what's next week, Steve? Advent. If you know anything about Advent, Advent talks about the arrival. Right? The arrival or the coming of Jesus. And so the idea is, we all know, we celebrate Christmas. Why? Because Jesus came 2,000 years ago, little baby. He's so cute, right? The angels sing, woo, right? We celebrate, but you know that Advent really has very little to do with the first coming of Jesus. Like, when you go into churches and they focus on Advent, about when Jesus came, they missed the point. Everybody knew Jesus came, but the early church fathers said, duh, Look at the church. It's in a spiritual slumber. What can we do? Let's create the Advent season where we remember that Jesus came, but most importantly, let's focus on the reality that he's coming again. See, Advent's not about Jesus coming. The reality that that Jesus came, it's about Jesus is coming again. Anytime you read in Scripture the second coming of Jesus is speaking of the Advent. The reality, if he came once and promised he would come again, well, by God, we better prepare ourselves by God's grace for his second coming. So what do we do? We prepare. That's the whole point. That we prepare ourselves for the second arrival of the king. We prepare ourselves knowing that tomorrow may be the day. The idea is looking at the church saying, my gosh, it's so easy to be a Christian in 500 A.D., Man, it's like so easy, like we're not even going to die for our faith anymore, right? So we're all kind of just lackadaisical, kind of lazy in our faith, kind of doing our own thing. So let's recognize that Jesus may come tomorrow. Let's focus the best of our affections, the best of our attention on it. Because if we think he's coming tomorrow, what will it do? Change the way I live today. What do we do then? We prepare ourselves. If I said to you right now. You've got 15 minutes to get your stuff together because Jesus is about to walk in the door. He's about to have a 15 minute counseling session with every single one of you. And I said, you better get your stuff together. What do you do? You're like, oh. You start going, oh God, what's going on? Right? You're like, you want to get yourself ready. You want to get yourself ready. Like, Sir, make sure your heart's right. That's the idea of Advent, not in condemnation and guilt. I want to have my house cleaned and ready so that when Jesus comes, what does he get? The best of me. Listen, when I went to the door to pick up Randall for our dates, do you know what she was not wearing? Sweats. I mean, she looks real good in them, but she wasn't wearing them. In fact, you tell my my mom, tell this story. I think I told it before. I got to say it again. So funny. My mom went on a blind date with my dad. My mom hated my dad's best friend who set the date up. Like, loathed him. And she said yes because my dad's best friend was dating her roommate. And she's like, fine, I'll go. She said, Steve, I sat there. I said, I'm, she goes, I literally had my PJs on, my hair up, and not a stitch of makeup on. She goes, I open the door, I go, I'll be right back, (laughs) right? And got herself ready. rest is history. Here I am. So, the whole dynamic is she got herself ready. And what did she do? She prepared herself. Advent's about preparation. The idea of Advent is that we're going to spend four weeks focusing, yes, on the coming of Jesus and the reality of that, what that meant and what it means for us coming forward, but... But it's about preparation, guys. We, what if Jesus comes tomorrow? What if you die tomorrow? I mean, Tim McGraw live like you're dying, right? He grew a famous man chew and wrote a, a bull, whatever it was, writing his country song. It's like, yes, we live like we're dying. Tomorrow's the day. What are we going to do? Prepare ourselves for today. So this idea of preparation, our preparation. For his coming, our preparation for the life that we're called to live, our preparation to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. I just want to ask you real quick, are you pretty content with the life that you're living right now before Jesus? With zero guilt. I just wonder if you are. Right? Like it's just it's pretty important to be honest. I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty pretty important to be honest. I tell my kids to be honest. So I should probably be honest with Jesus as his as his kid. Like how am I doing? How am I doing in my life every day prepared for the coming of the king? How am I doing every day living my life right as if he's returning tomorrow? How am I doing living a life worthy and obedient Because he's primary and preeminent number one. Do I live like he's coming tomorrow in the context of my relationship with my friends? For you in the context of your dating relationships? The people that you're married to with your children? The people that you work with? Your your family? Your parents? Like, are you living a life? That if God returns tomorrow, had a 15-minute counseling session with you, he go, well done, because you're where you should be. Again, it's no guilt, it's just being honest. Because it's a place of preparation. Preparation means, I, what do I do? I'm getting married, and I create my checklist of all the things I have to take care of before the big day. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? You think you should do that. You did that when you got married. If your children got married, right? You helped them finish the list and create it. And why don't we do that for our marriage ceremony coming up with Jesus? That's the whole language of Revelation. We are the bride. He is the bridegroom. And we live our life prepared because he's coming. He is coming. A life of preparation. In fact, the, the challenge of Paul in chapter, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 1 It's a fantastic observation to make of ourselves on a daily basis, to remind us of the calling on our lives, the importance of how we live every day, keeping in mind today could be the day of the wedding. Today could be the day he comes to get me. We just saying about it. Some glad Morning. When this life is over, I will fly away with the groom. Jesus, it is going to be awesome. Let's just sing about it. Did you get pumped up singing that song? Did you get excited? Did you see something something come alive in your heart? Why did it come alive? Because it's God yearning and calling to awaken us. He's coming back and he can't wait. Are we preparing ourselves? Man, you get excited? You live in that life, giving everything to Jesus, because you just say, I, I'm gonna live today, like you're coming tomorrow. This is it, I can't wait. Yes, I want you. I'm super excited. I'm clean before you, God. You're gonna say, Well done, because I've prepared myself for your coming. So, a life of preparation, a life worthy of the calling we have received. So let's just talk about calling real quick. All sorts of books out there. Right, purpose-driven life. Rick Warren, fantastic. Right, Oz Guinness wrote a better book called The Calling. Right, you go read it. Oz Guinness, O S Guinness, right, like the beer. All right. so you got Oz Guinness, and you got Oz Guinness. You read this book called The Calling. I look at it and go. And he he starts the book saying, "Listen, lots of ink talked about calling. It's real, real simple. It's real, real simple. Everybody has the same calling, and it's this." Love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Everything else is gravy for Jesus. Doesn't matter if you're gonna be over here like professional bass fisherman, praise God, right? Doesn't matter if you're over here like working on Wall Street, doesn't matter if you're over here in construction, doesn't mind what you're doing, right? God's not so concerned about the actual doing. What he's interested in is the calling. What's the calling? It's the umbrella that covers every single believer, and the calling is this love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself, which simply means this. This is the beautiful part about it. You can't love God until what you have received from God the undeniable, powerful height, breadth, width and depth of his love. So the calling is this. I'm just going to sit here all day and let God love on me. That's the first part. So that I have something to love back with because I'm able to love. Why? Because he First loved me, I can only love as much as I've received love from so the first part of my day. God, fill me height, breadth, width, and depth, the knowledge of your love. Yes, oh, this is a great day. Now I can love you with all of my heart, soul, and mind. Is the primary calling and to love my neighbor as I love myself. So you're saying, Steve, I can sit there in the beginning of every day and just selfishly let God tell me how much He loves me. Absolutely. How can you do anything else in life apart from knowing that he loves you so you can love others? What a great beginning to every day. Connor, God is madly in love with you, bro. I mean, madly. He I mean, can't wait for you to wake up in the morning so consciously you can receive. That's how he is for y'all. Dude, he's in love with you, radically, massively. He can't wait for you to get up, so he can tell you. Do you wait every morning for God to tell you he loves you? So a life of preparation. Number one, we have to have a life committed to God's first step, a life committed to God. In Matthew 25, we see the story of the ten virgins. We're going to call them the bridesmaids because virgins is an awkward word in church, okay? So you have Matthew 25, the story of the bridesmaids, the ten bridesmaids. And I don't even know how, how, how weddings work back in the day. I didn't know this until I began to study. This is pretty cool. So weddings back in the day, they would last for days at a time, right? There was no set schedule. This is terrible for Americans, right? There was no set schedule for anything. You had to just kind of live like in making decisions on the fly and things happening. So what happened is they, you'd have all the bridesmaids and they'd be with the bride at the bride's parents house. So bride's parents house, bride and her posse of 10, right? And they have lamps. With oil. Why? Because what if the groom comes in the nighttime? What the groom in his posse of ten come at nighttime. So they're just prepared. So they have all this oil and extra oil, so when they come they'll have lamps to be able to see to get to the wedding destination. Well in the story twenty five, well the groom's delayed. The groom's delayed. We don't know why he's delayed. It was honestly no big deal. They had prepared for the delay. So Five of them had enough oil prepared for the delay. Other five heard the groom coming from a distance. Said, "Oh no, give us some of your oil." Said, "No, no, no, it's my oil. I prepared for it. Right? You go get your own oil." While they were gone to get their own oil, what happens? The groom comes with his posse. He takes the bride and her posse of now of five who were prepared, had done this work, right? And they go to the wedding and they get and the other five. Finally, get there late. Says, "Let us in." No, no, no. We don't know you. Alright? right. And Jesus is making a point. He's saying, guys, you have to be prepared for my second coming. He looks at the first five and says, these are those like the Jewish leaders. They know the Bible. They know the book. They know about the Messiah who's to come. They can speak more about it probably than anybody else, but they've never actually committed and submitted their lives to him as Savior and Lord. And so then our take is, in our day and age, is all these people who, they believe, hear this, they believe, they can say the right words, maybe even prayed some prayer, right, that get a hell card prayer, right, let me say you from hell, oh, okay, right, but they never actually submitted anything in their life to the lordship of Jesus, and therefore they can give lip service to the king, but they've never actually given their life to him. People who pray prayers don't, don't, don't I'm going to get saved, right? Prayers don't save people. Jesus saves people as they commit to the lordship of Jesus. He is savior from hell and lord of every day. You can't have one without the other. This is it. I have life committed to the leadership and the lordship of Jesus in salvation, and so this first step of preparing for our life calling is giving our whole lives wholly and completely to Jesus. John 3:16. You know it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but what have eternal life. What's the point here? Whosoever believes is it easy believism in the sense of just having a mental assent and speaking it with my mouth? Absolutely not. It says believe as in everything in my life is surrendered over to Him. We see that. Matthew 16, 24 and 25 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their instrument of death, their cross, and die and follow me. For who wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. Do You see this beginning It's saying, If you're going to follow me, you have to die to self and be alive to me. The only way you can find real life I mean, I find people all the time who are not satisfied in life, if anything. It's like everything is negative. I'm like, I'm, you've, I'm not sure you've really ever met Jesus. Why? Because he produces life, when I give my everything to him. He leads. He's a loving Lord. He's kind and compassionate. Right? So the first step is we have to have a life committed. This is important. Like, you have to commit your life. There has to be this commitment, right? I can't receive his love. I I can't have a relationship with him if I've never actually surrendered to the relationship. That's not mean. Like, I can't say I'm married to Randall and never actually surrendered who I am to her as a husband. I can't say I'm married to Randall and never actually got married and I'm cheating with, like, hanging out with all these other ladies over here. It doesn't work, does it? It just doesn't work that way. No, I'm committed to her. I've, I've died to this stuff so I can... Live with her. The second thing we find is a life ready for God. Ready. A life ready for God. you know what it looks like? Like, how many of you have ever seen a race before? Ever been in a race? Maybe like, 30 years ago, right? No, you're in a race, right? And so what do they do? They go, ready. And you get there. And what do you do when you're ready? Like, if you're, a, if you're really trying to win the race, you're ready. What does that mean? You're aware of everyone around you. Right? You know where you're going. You know what's behind you, and you're ready, and you're set, and what are you doing? You're waiting for someone to say go. You're waiting for the gun to sound. And then what do you do? Well, then you run, right? You run. I mean, in cross-country world, right, we've been we'll talked to the coaches, you know, Catherine race. she's in cross-country, and, and I'll be just here, like, get to the front, get to the front, get to the front. Why? Because when you're in the back, it's all of this, it's jostling, right? You're like super. You're having to look right here because people are right in front of you. You're tripping on feet. And you're like this, and you're like jostling. And you're trying to write in the idea. So you gotta get ready. Why? Because readiness means you are ready for whatever comes your way. Have you read about the armor of God, Ephesians six? He says, put on this and put on this, right? Put on the belt of truth and the shoes through it, the gospel, the readiness of peace and the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, right? It's like, be and he says, now when the day of evil comes, what does it say? Take a rest? It says, stand. Ready. Mm. You don't ever see warriors fighting like this. Hey, what's up, man? want to fight? Woo. No, you don't do that. That'd be a lame fighting. It'd be a terrible movie. You see, and they're ready, right? They got their feet set. So when the comms, boom, or you have their, like when you see someone in the day's eggs, they have their gun, they're like this with their machine gun. Why? It'll throw them on the ground, right? Or whatever it is. Over there. Like, boom, they're like ready. They're set. Man, they got their feet set. They're ready. Because they know what's coming. Do you live in a life? Do you live a life where something's always coming? Be ready, he's saying. Be ready. And the beautiful piece is this God's done his part. He's moving. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Here's what I'm gonna do for you. Here's what I'm gonna do for you. Ready? Every day, every day, every day. I'm gonna remind you that I indwell you. I'm gonna remind you that I live inside of you and I'm fighting for you, and with you, you're not alone. Take like a thing what I'm gonna do for you. I mean, every day I'm gonna tell you I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, right? Elf, right? I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, right? And the third thing is I'm going to do for you, "Mm, mm, this is the best part. I'm going to fill you with my spirit every day. Oh, every day I'm going to fill you. Every day you'll be capable. Every day you're going to be empowered. Never are you going to be lacking because my spirit has filled you to the fullness. Oh, I'm doing my part. Get ready. Prepare yourself. It's coming. I'm coming and it's coming. It it could be anything. Be ready. Be ready. Live life prepared. Third thing we do. We live life ready for God. We live a life submitted to God. All right, God, here I am. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to bring. Whatever you want to have happen. God, I'm ready. I'm set and I'm ready. I've got your spirit with me. God, thank you that you love me so much. Ready? i have got. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. I'm ready to run the race as if I'm going to win it, bam it. Here we go. Right? It's a bam. Right? Bam. Here we go. Running the race set before me. I'm set. I'm ready. Go. God, I'm prepared. I'm ready. For what's going on around me? I see where I'm going. I'm going to run this race as if to win. And the early church fathers said, you've got to prepare yourself because you're not living like that. Because you're lazy. Because you're tired. Because you've gotten this easy believism. You haven't sacrificed. You haven't given your life. You're not looking to the Lord every day saying, God, what would you want me to do today? You have not submitted yourself. You have not surrendered yourself to the Lord's will. You have not yielded your rights to him, right? And herein lies the, the secret we wrestle with on a daily basis. Who did you live for yesterday? Who did you live for yesterday? I don't mean this with guilt. I mean, like, who did you live for yesterday? Like, when you woke up in the morning, why did you exist yesterday? Like, did you live yesterday already, submitted to God for him to do whatever he wants to do? Were you aware of his movement? Were you aware of his love? Were you aware of his presence? Did you live yesterday fully aware that he could come today? Did you live your life with confidence? Did you live your life enamored by the love of God so you just felt compelled to love others? I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. I'm simply saying we need help. Like, we need to be praying this prayer. We need every day to expect God to to fill me with His Spirit, to, to express His love and live in the confidence of His love for us, right? Every day we need to just focus on the indwelling Christ because... It's coming. And we have to live prepared. We have to live ready. What did you live for? And here's the beautiful thing about it. Like, I don't want you to beat yourself up. Oh my gosh, I so failed yesterday. Do you recognize that it was Jesus who called us sheep? I mean, it's a nice word for saying sheep are stupid. No, we are, right? We're just ignorant. See, sheep are just not bright. They're like, doo-doo-doo, hey, there's the ledge. Let me go run off of it, right? No, 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 let me save you from that, the good shepherd says. Right now, man, sheep just got to go wherever they They're woo, woo, like this, right? They're meandering, and they, have, they need someone to bring them in. So sheep, by nature, wander. Do I have any wanderers in the room? Let's be honest, right? Yes. Right, they're just wanderers. And so what, what does Jesus have for you as a wanderer? Compassion. He called you a sheep. It's why he calls himself a good shepherd because he knows that we need one because we wander. So yesterday you wandered. Hey, great. Let God convict you of your wandering and come back to the heartbeat right here saying, all right, God, today I'm ready. I want to be prepared. I'm going to set myself here. Be ready. Be ready. Submit ourselves every day because the life happens. It happens to us all the time. All of us have things that we name that have happened to us, things that are overwhelming, things that distract us, things that pull us away. Whether it's the enemy, whether it's our own desires, according to James chapter one, our own flesh, our own habits, our own hobbies, our own fears. What is it? They call these things that cause us to wonder. But every day saying, God, I want to mm, just want to receive from you to fulfill the calling. Now, Jesus, I submit myself to you today. What do you want me to do? And what's it going to look like? Well it's going to be fulfilling your calling of loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And it's going to be an expression of loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Like that's the calling. It's loving God with my heart, soul, and mind. You remember when you were newly dating slash married and you could spend like 18 hours on the phone? You remember that? It's like, I mean, back at like now, it's like we can just text all day long or Snapchat all day long, whatever it may be. It's like all this stuff, right? And you could just do that all day long because you're so enamored by your by your love. And the idea of this is he wants us to every day be enamored by His love for us, so in turn that we love him. This is the message of Advent. It's the message of 401. It's like, hey, now that you've received all of this from God, are you living a life worthy now of the calling that you've received? And I should press pause every day and go, all right, Jesus, hear this. You know I'm a sheep. And you know I can't do this in my own strength. So every day, God, I'm praying for myself, I'm praying for my kids, I'm praying for my spouse, I'm praying for my loved ones. That God, today, number one, would they be awakened to the indwelling Christ? Would they know the height, the breadth, and the width, and the depth of your love? And third, I'm asking Jesus again that you would fill me with your spirit afresh and anew today because I will need you as much today as I needed you yesterday. You know what he says? I can't wait because I love you. Life prepared. Ready. Let's pray. Jesus, we are I would say that we are enamored by your love for us. But I confess, God, most of the time we are not. Most of the time, Jesus, we are distracted. And, Father, I just confess that, Lord, in many ways I would say I feel like the most distracted. And so, Jesus, I, I'm just asking today, Lord, for that uh, Ephesians 3, that you would truly do these three things in me. Would you do them in each of us in this room? I, I pray for a supernatural move. And all that means, God, because it's, it's, it's our supernatural, but it's your natural. It's just the way that you move, that you love to pursue us. You love to awaken us. You love to set your gaze of affection on us and awaken us to the truth of who you are. God, you, you love to do this movement and this work. In us, and Lord, I, I just simply ask this morning that you would bring us into this place, God of receiving. God, as we receive, and God, that that actually begins this work of preparation because it awakens us to a desire for you. It awakens us to a, a hunger for you, God. It awakens us for a with a great longing to see you face to face. And so we prepare ourselves, knowing tomorrow may be the day. And so we just pray for a great conviction of Advent. What if we've never really considered the second coming of Jesus? that we begin today. And God, not focusing all the distractions, all the theologies out there that really have literally kept us from focusing on the second coming whether he's amillennial, premillennial, millennial I don't think you really care, Jesus, because what you're most focused on is revealing yourself so that those who don't know you would come to know you and that we all live as if tomorrow is the day you return. So would you focus us on what's most important, Jesus, that today we live as if tomorrow you return, and that we prepare ourselves and make ourselves ready and set our gaze upon Jesus to run the race up before us as if to win it. But I pray first, God, that we would be enamored by your love for us and just find ourselves captivated by you. So, Lord, do this in Jesus' name so that this holiday season will absolutely be God-centered and different. Thank you, Jesus. Alright. Um, so this morning I invite you to respond. First, I just invite you where you are, to do your best to have zero distractions around you. And just to have an honest conversation with the Lord. So, Jesus, how, how am I doing? Living a life worthy of the calling that I've received. Not expecting him to beat you up. That's not his that's not how he works. But just have an honest conversation. Two. Are you confident in God's love for you? If not, just take some time this morning and say, God, awake in love. I'm not going to let go until I hear you say that you love me. If you need someone to pray for this morning, we have ministry teams available on both sides, and they just want to pray for you for God's movement in your life. Communion available every Sunday. This is an awakening again to the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that he came to earth because he loved you, to set you free so you could live with him forever. And the last is then our, our, our expression of worship through our offering. Worship, listen, our tithe and offering is not about money. It's about a heart before God saying, everything that I have belongs to you. In obedience, I give back the tithe, 10% or more, whatever it is, right? Or less, that's where you are in life. God, I want to give back to you as an act of worship. And so I just invite you to respond to the Lord leads this morning. I'll be back up here in about... I don't have five or ten minutes to close this out but until then let's invite you to respond as the Lord